What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by my man Tim, a.k.a. Cranjus McBasketball. Tim, we are back from our little break here. Hope you had a happy new year and uh, Merry Christmas, and hopefully some of y'all are catching us out on Twitch because we've been going live there uh, a little more frequently. Thanks, Tom. You too. It's I know for the, the podcast listeners, it's been a little bit. Uh, yeah, definitely check out the, the Twitch stuff. Um, now that I've finished moving across the country and we're past some of the holidays, we'll have a more consistent podcasting schedule moving forward. Mm-hmm. And we have some big, uh, pod news upcoming, not quite ready yet. Uh, but some, uh, fun things ahead for the pod and, uh, happy to be back once again to talk some like, yeah, man. Um, so we are joining y'all early here uh on friday morning the night after lakers lost last night at home dropping them to two and three at home against the san antonio spurs and uh so let's let's quickly talk a little about last night um i think that it you know we streamed the first part of the game so we were talking quite a bit about you know lakers defense and the spurs just running nice plays running nice sets getting good looks they had aldridge back and he couldn't miss um you know, I think the Lakers really missed KCP shooting last night over the last couple of games. Their three-point efficiency has dropped to about 32%, uh, which, you know, it was up around like 39% as a team. So lots of factors in that loss. Uh, you know, they fall to six and three, which is still really good. Uh, any, any, you know, concerns or real, you know, worries for you after dropping a game to the Spurs? Picture, no. Uh, I guess looking more granularly at where the Lakers are in their process defensively, which I think was the big concern. A, a specific comment from AD after the game stuck out to me. He, commenting on the Lakers defense, said, we messed up our coverages. We didn't know what we were supposed to do, so we can't even see if our defensive schemes worked against a stretch five. We've got to be better in schemes coming out of the gate. Uh, he said, we didn't play like of defense. Our defense was shit tonight. That's why we lost. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, it, and the piece of it that sticks out to me, having watched on the film, and it's different watching live versus watching the film. It's different experiencing it in game versus afterwards checking out the film and seeing what happened. There were a lot of times it looked like the Lakers were making mistakes where really it was San Antonio putting them in positions to make mistakes. It's like a, like a, a read option in football no matter what the defender does as long as you read it right you're going to make them look like they're making the the mistake 
Um, and we saw the Spurs take that kind of approach last night. So the, it's it's just tough. The team's trying to put in new stuff on the fly. Other teams are countering it, and we're just too early in the development to get up to speed. So for the next couple of weeks, yeah, I'm concerned. I, I think the defense is not going to be as good as it could be, but big picture, I think this is just part of the journey. And by the end of the year, I think we'll see the team battle hardened because of it and the defense at its peak form and really having been thrown into the fire early season. I think this is weirdly like the new version of a schedule loss um, because I think, especially with a coach like Greg Popovich or a team coached by Greg Popovich, um, I think it's really hard to beat somebody three times in like nine days or even less or whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. we just played the Spurs in San Antonio. We were there for, you know, four or five straight days. And I think this is the new version of a schedule loss where, you know, you had a great video that you came out with about the Lakers new defense. Um, that's, you know, that episode of Cranjus's corner is up on our Twitch. So go check that out. But, you know, in it, you break down that the Lakers are catch hedging all, all of their pick and rolls and San Antonio, like particularly exploited that going in with slip screens and some other actions. So they were well prepared for what we were doing. Uh, even though the first couple of games, they didn't have Aldridge and that, you know, totally changes their lineup with, uh, with him in there instead of Pirtle. And he was on fire. He's always kills the Lakers. It seems like, but you know, it really did feel like to me that, you know, the, the Spurs had the right uh, matchup for them. And then other factors of, you know, the Lakers, um, you know, missing KCP shooting a little bit. I mentioned the the drop in shooting efficiency. I think they did miss him. I think getting Caruso back was big. Uh, I thought there were stretches there in the third quarter that, you know, he and some of those LeBron lineups played really good defense. But, um, you know, we'll talk a lot more lineups later, but. I don't know. What yeah. did you think about Caruso last night? I thought Caruso played well. He, I mean, shooting a hundred percent is a good way to, to come back after an absence. I think that was his season high in minutes as well. So he mm. was thrown right in there, did fine. He was one of the few players that had a positive plus minus in the game. I thought he played pretty well. He's doing what he's able to do. We're going to be able to see more become of that. The more time he gets to play with LeBron and Marcus saw. And last night, looking at his minutes, the first stretch he was in didn't overlap a second with LeBron. And then the second stretch he was in overlapped the entirety with, with LeBron and the Lakers went plus nine in those minutes. Uh, and then towards the end of the game, when it, things were kind of falling away from the Lakers, he, he played a, a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. And the Lakers were outscored over those minutes. But I think that stretch in the third quarter, which I didn't get to see live, but watching back on the tape, seemed like his best minutes of the night, even though he put most of his scoring up in the beginning, just because we got to see him fit with with the right pieces. It's We have a bunch of puzzle pieces. You got to fit them together in the right ways to make the prettiest picture. And Caruso matches with certain players better than with others on this team. Uh, So I think he seems to be in good shape, knocking down shots, I liked the, uh, we saw that one pick and roll read from him as soon as he came in, that mm-hmm. nice dump off to, AD. I think it was AD, it might've been Monstrous Harrell. Uh, that was encouraging to me. Um, so yeah, really happy to have him back because the Lakers were running, what, like a nine-man rotation since he and KCP were out and mm-hmm. who's credit to him for stepping up and taking on that shooting guard role. THTA didn't quite emerge the way he 
in another universe may have given the uh, injuries. Um, like it's, let's talk about THT for a sec. If they were anywhere world where he gets a chance to break out coming right off those crazy, great preseason performances, having two of our guards in a short, small guard rotation out and he couldn't quite break through. So I, I thought he still played well last night from a scoring standpoint. He had a quick 10 points in that second quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was another guy that was one of our few positives. I think his minutes that he gave us were good, but it with uh, Crusoe coming back, I'm not sure we see as much THT moving forward. And he may have missed out on a golden opportunity to make more of an impact, leave more of a, of an impact the way he did in preseason over these regular season games. All right. So, I mean, we did a little bit on THT last night, Tim. So I kind of want to rehash that shortly here, if you don't mind. And, you know, us talking about his usage and, you know, part of what I think he needs to develop as um, a shooter is those the spot up efficiency is just bad right now. I think he's like fifth percentile in synergy. Uh, might have changed since last night, but, you know, it's that's kind of the role that would help him fit alongside some of the other Lakers stars. Now his pick and roll efficiency is really good, right? We just have so many guys ahead of him in that department. He, you know, he could get 15 pick and roll possessions a game on another team is what I said, but he's just not given that opportunity. And he's struggled a little bit molding in his role around the other like superstars, but nonetheless, he, you know, shows his amazing finishing ability around the rim and made some ridiculous passes as well. Uh, just kind of keeping the ball moving, but I don't know. Uh, I guess what, what, what are your thoughts on THT where he stands at the bottom of the rotation? Yeah. It, it, what we've seen from him is more in lines of what we were expecting to see in terms of how he fits, what, what he's good at, what he's not good at and and how that, pieces together with the rest of the team he's he's shooting five for 20 on jump shots so far and he's shooting pretty well at the rim but given the skill sets the Lakers have and where THT and theory could fit in it would be more as an off-ball guard maybe secondary playmaker maybe more stationary shooter kind of guy maybe you know operate off of some handoffs because we've got Harrell out there Gasol AD LeBron there will be opportunities for him to run a little bit of pick and roll, spot up a bunch, get some handoffs, run in transition, ideally not isolate a whole lot, given who else is out there. And we've seen him be good at the bunch of those things that he's already pretty good at, the, the pick and roll, the handoffs, transition, uh, even in ISO, he's good. he's been good. But the spotting up, which is what he's probably going to get the highest volume of this year, just due to how he fits schematically with this team, he hasn't been good in the past and he hasn't been good so far this season. So the concern with him is if he can be even like a neutral defender, but a negative offensive player, just given the role he's, he can have with this team. It's just tough to see how he gets real minutes unless like if LeBron gets injured or if Schroeder gets injured, those are the guard injuries that THT I think would benefit more from and allow him to play more his game. Caruso and KCP, West Matthews, Kuzma, those guys being out or getting injured or COVID precautions or whatever, they won't as directly positively impact him just based on how it would shift his role when he is playing, even if he Mm -hmm. does get more minutes. And the other thing quickly I want to move on to is um, is Kyle Kuzma starting in place for KCP these last few games. Um, I think I've seen enough, Tim, and I 
think I'd prefer Wes Matthews in that spot. What do you think about that? I can get behind that. I, I think who's with the way I, I see. Hmm. I think either one of them put with that starting group will perform better than the alternative. So whoever's out there with that group is going to probably look a little better. Their shot quality is probably going to be better. Kuz at times we've seen the flashing of the, the ball mover ability uh, some nights more than others. He is also someone who's been a little bit below average as a, a cutter spot up guy, even shooting off of screens, which was an interesting development that we saw this year. Uh, I like the way they're using him when he is out there and the style of usage for him with that off-screen scoring. And this is something I mentioned last night on the stream, whether with the stars or with the bench, you can give him more consistent looks no matter who the other four players are out there. So that Mm -hmm. should benefit him. Uh, As a spot-up shooter, he's going to look a little bit worse with some of those bench units when you don't have LeBron out there to break down the defense and get you open shots. He's been a good catch-and-shoot guy, 70th percentile so far, about Mm -hmm. 1.3 points per possession just pulling up he's shooting one for 10 on the year and uh it's i don't know it's it's coos versus coos really if he plays the game we need him to play he fits well with the bench or the starters but i i think i would agree with you i would put matthews in there over coos i think ideally i'd have schroeder kcp lebron ad gasol as my starting group um but with with kcp being missing as well i, I guess i'd go matthews over coos with that starting group so just, you know, to put things in perspective, the first, you know, seven minutes of the game with AD, Gasol, Kuz, LeBron, Schroeder, they're a minus 13. And the Lakers we've seen, you know, over the past couple games, you know, maybe get out to a quick eight-point lead in the first four minutes and then, you know, right around the time LeBron comes out or just before then in the first quarter, we start to see them start to kind of crumble. And I do partly think that Kuzma would help kind of stabilize that just a bit because of how well he has moved the ball um, lately, but also because, you know, the aggressive scorer isn't there. And I think that guy might be gone. Uh, I don't want to say forever, but he's definitely accepting a different kind of role. And you know, if he returns to the bench, you know, maybe we see a little bit more of that because uh, he's in his com- comfortable place. But, you know, when when he's taking the place of KCP and and he has to be a spot of shooter, like he's done well, to your point. But KCP, I think, is in like the 98th percentile and spotting up. Mm-hmm. So there's still a difference between, you know, how efficient those guys are in that specific role. Yeah. And going back to last season to get us a, a bigger sample size. Cause you know, so far only a couple games for these guys hey. from a three point shot making standpoint, Wes Matthews, really, really good. I think he was like mm-hmm. an A or an A minus KCP. Same thing. Kyle Kuzma was, I think he was like an F or something like that. And mm-hmm. his shot quality was poor, which didn't help him. And we were improving the shot quality. Mm-hmm. He's part of that. He, him buying into the new rules, part of that. But even if on higher shot quality, his ability as a shot maker is the same he's still not going to be as effective as a spot-up option as some of those alternatives. So unless he is looking much better defensively in relation to Wes Matthews as a chaser or wing stopper, depending on what the game is, I'd give the the edge to Wes. Mm-hmm. 
so we'll talk a little bit more lineup stuff here in a little bit, Tim. Um, tough loss for the Spurs, but, you know, again, I kind of feel that's a little bit on, you know, the schedule and how things will play out in this weird season. But, you know, all things considered, man, I don't know if you saw yesterday, it was kind of a, a coronavirus, um, like, awful day for the for the league with Seth Curry testing positive different guys you know the Lakers had the Caruso incident but so far it's just that so you know all things considered in this weird year they've had a pretty you know um in, intact team to start from and having 11 guys helps but really quick uh I g- checked out some of uh, the Lakers synergy page yesterday just before the game so some of these numbers are out of date but you know, to your point, um, the data we're getting is becoming more and more uh, valid and valuable as each day and game passes, right? We talked a lot about data here uh, on this pod, but this is the part of the season where we kind of have to take all this with a grain of salt. But Tim, I just want to kind of rattle off a few things. And and if I come across something interesting, uh, you stop me and we can kind of start discussing it. So okay. uh, before last night, the Lakers on per synergy had the eighth most efficient offense with 1.021 points per possession. They're down to ninth now. Okay. Um, but the two main like big areas that are bringing everything down seemingly, because obviously eighth, they're pretty good at everything or, or at least average uh, at most things. The two categories, which is surprising to me that these are the two categories are pick and roll ball handling 0.819 points per possession, the 24th in the league, and isolations, 0.8 points per possession, 22nd in the league. Um, isolations with LeBron James and Anthony Davis are supposed to be, you know, a playoff bread and butter, and they still can be, you know, that's that's a given. But with the talent on this team, and then pick and roll ball handling is, you know, LeBron's bread and butter. And to be fair, that does go up with passing to 0.996 for 14th in the league, but you know, LeBron's been struggling scoring out of the pick and roll ball handling. I think as before last night, he was in like the 21st percentile, man. Yeah, he's struggled a bit. And in ways that generally you'd, you'd look at that, dismiss it, say it's LeBron. He's going to get it back together. We're fine. Don't worry about it. If, if there are any guys to worry about on this team, LeBron's on the lower end of that list for me, certainly. Where there's some reality in what we're seeing is going back to the last playoffs, we saw round after round when the Lakers were isolating, even with their elite isolation guys, teams were loading up the paint. They were making it harder for the Lakers to go to work and, and play one-on-one. It was more like one-on-one and a half or one-on-two. And the Lakers didn't do a good job of countering that with cutting and screening. And we, we saw that it was like pulling teeth. The Lakers eventually were able to figure out those different things or win in spite of that. Um, but even with LeBron and AD, during the playoffs last year, when they faced extra help and it wasn't a true one-on-one, they weren't all that efficient. But when they did get one-on-one matchups, they were the elite guys that we expect them to be. So it's about doing the small little things schematically to just kind of clear the lane, give them a runway, let LeBron go one-on-one, not let LeBron be the only source of offense, but be mm-hmm. facing more than one defender. So just from a standing around standpoint, that's been that's something that's carried over to this year and it can certainly improve other teams do a pretty good job with it Miami does a good job the Warriors do a good job like there there are ways to improve what you're doing and we've seen the Lakers use the right counters with cutting or those pin and flare screens which Marcus Gasol is very good at setting uh the, the options are there we see the Lakers using the right options 
Mm -hmm. don't have to, this isn't, Hey, I'm pitching some brand new like concept. Keep doing the same things you're doing just on higher volume. And you don't have to pass to it every single time. You, you don't want to only run that pin and flare screen when you want to get the ball over there. If you run it every time, the defense has to respect it. Uh, even if you only get the ball there sometimes, which means LeBron or AD will have more space. So when we're talking about isolation, LeBron and AD are the, the top two guys from an efficiency, or I'm sorry, from a usage standpoint there. Do those little things. You're going to clean the, you're going to space the floor a little bit better and they're going to be able to increase that efficiency. From a pick and roll ball handler standpoint, LeBron and Schroeder are your two high volume guys there. THT being your third, but a, a fair bit below the other two in volume. And that's another area that we would expect LeBron to be good at. Uh, but again, carrying over from last season, the LeBron AD pick and roll hasn't been as dominant as we would mm-hmm. like. It it works against the, some uh, ball screen coverages. Against others, it doesn't. If you switch it, it turns into ISO. And if you ISO and the Lakers aren't doing the right things, it's not favorable. If you go under it, it's not favorable. So it's, I don't know, there, there are little tactical tweaks. The Lakers well, are still going to like and they don't, cruise through the season, but they, they don't run in enough to like master all the counters either. Yep. Yeah, I would much rather them spam that action with their two best players, right. getting them working together at the same time and work through it. If you're going to yeah. struggle offensively, I'd rather struggle that way and have exactly. them figure it out, have the tape to look at and, and figure exactly. out and see how they can tweak it than just not use it. Because when we get to the playoffs again, defenses aren't going to start getting dumber than they were last year. There is a very clear blueprint for how to defend that action. And until the Lakers show competence in countering it, there's no reason to not defend it that same way even if so like right now the lakers just aren't using it as much because they know it's not going to work but instead of just throwing it out realize that the potential it does have if you Mm -hmm. are able to make those tweaks and and you know fight through it so i don't know in in a regular season especially where the lakers are putting in a whole new defensive scheme it may not be the top priority but at some point this year this team needs to get to that to do item and figure out how to improve these things because the team's still going to do fine in the regular season. It'll be okay. In the playoffs, those things are going to matter. And those are the two biggest things from last playoffs that we were pointing out series after series, the team needs to be better at. And we want, in spite of those things, uh, you don't want to have to try to do the same thing over again this year. Just tweak those couple things and you'll be in much better shape. Yeah. Just strictly from like a process standpoint, right? I, would rather lose a game and get a look at a coverage or an action or how to defend it or how to counter it, get a little bit better at, you know, manipulating the defense through it. Then if you go in isolating all that, and I, I think both of us have been pleasantly surprised at the Lakers offense for the most part, but you know, when we're doing our streams, we both get frustrated when we start to ISO. And here's another one for you, Tim, that I think is related in a lot of ways where Uh, you know, before last night, the Lakers on short jump shots. So this is under 17 feet, um, 39 possessions, 0.641, 27th in the league. And you can see these possessions in your head where if LeBron does get a pick and roll, he puts a guy in jail and then he kind of does like the push shot floater. That's just not really LeBron's shot. Um, The AD turnaround fades. He's so good at them. Why do I, do we need so many of these per game? Um, there's so much offensive firepower on the court that, you know, if you just kind of swing the ball to the opposite side of the court and somebody attacks a closeout, I bet you, you know, they'll get a better look than, than like a fadeaway Anthony Davis mid-ranger, just not in, just not in January. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like, I guess rev that thing up in March and in February or, or April. But to me, it feels like unnecessary for uh, the stuff that they're doing. Um, yep. Yeah. And that's even so it dropped from 27th to now it's 28th after last night's game. The yeah. efficiency dropped a little bit. And looking through who. So now it's up to 42 possessions of those 42, like 35 of those are LeBron, 80 or Schroeder. Right. The LeBron ones. And the 81s are just like you're describing. A lot of the Schroeder ones are handoffs, which he's actually been pretty good at. I, I think mm-hmm. he's done fairly well in these compared to the other two. Um, and he's the type of guy that because he's such a high usage pick and roll player and he's not as good at the pull up three defenses like to go under his ball screens. And we've seen the path to success for him in the past against that is to set lower screens or get handoffs and take those shorter jump shots, which he's good at. So I'm good with those. The other two guys though. Yeah. Like those aren't, they don't, they don't need to be high volume shots for you. There are better ways to approach the same situations against the same defense and generate higher quality looks, even for these players. Like LeBron can be the best player in the world or the fifth best player. In the world. It doesn't matter for LeBron. There are better shots to get than that shot for mm-hmm. AD, especially when you're running that we, we've seen it seemingly every game, the first play of the game, they run that fake ball screen at the top. And then there's a cross screen where there's a guard or wing setting a screen for AD to go from block to block. If he would get the ball at the block, he'd score really efficiently in the post, but instead he gets pushed all the way out to pretty much the three point line. And then he has to try to isolate against a pack paint from a step inside the three point line. And and we're settling for a lot of long twos, or even if he drives a little bit, we're not getting to the rim all that often. And we're settling for short mid range twos, which aren't ideal either. Couple quick things. Let's see what you think about this. Um, that maybe I think we should do a little bit less. And to that point, LeBron James isolations, 42 possessions as of today, 32 points, 0. 0.76 to 20%. Again, very small sample size and 40 possessions, 42 possessions, but and we expect LeBron to get better at that. But listen, if it's not working right now, you know, 0. 0.762 is is not helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in between his post-ups and his ISOs, he's averaging over seven of those per game, which is a it's a pretty high number. I, I there I would love to see like maybe around five. He can do seven. I think mm-hmm. the efficiency of those seven should increase if if the Lakers make some of those tweaks and you know some shots will fall more than others. It's a small sample. There's some variance in here, uh, but yeah, you, you'd love to see the team work, working on other types of offense instead of playing more of the ISO one-on-one style of play given the the team they have and how new it is. And you just want to see the team working and getting better. And I don't know if we're getting better if the film that we're looking at is just LeBron isolating, you know? Right. Right. And uh, kind of mentioned a little bit too, uh, overall in transition, Schroeder's efficiency has struggled quite a bit where he has only, 21 points and 23 possessions so far. But as you dig deeper in, I think it was mainly where uh, he was trailing as a wing or a shooter where he has struggled, uh, but attacking the rim, he's been pretty good. So, uh, but also to your point, well, we should do more, Tim, excuse me, shooter handoffs, 23 points in 15 possessions after last night. Um, That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's killing it. And we have the right big men to do this a lot. It doesn't matter what lineups out there. You're going to have either Gasol, AD, or Harrell out there. And those are three players that are proficient at handoff playmaking, which isn't the 
highest of degrees of difficulty of playmaking, but not every big can do it. Those are three guys that can do it. LeBron can do it as well. So between those four, anytime shooters out there, if you don't want to run a pick and roll look, or if you want to give him one of those pick and roll looks that he likes, where it's the screen setting set a little bit deeper, instead of it being from a ball screen, you can do it from a handoff and get the same sort of action just with him being able to run full speed before he gets the ball. So yeah, it's been working a lot. It's been working for THT. We've seen some of those with Kuz. It's good offense. The deeper you set it, the harder it is for the defense to like tag a roll man if they're also trying to contain that ball handler off the handoff. So it's it's just another smart form of offense. I'd love to see the Lakers uh, explore a little bit more. For sure. Um, and here's a couple other ones for you, and then that I'm done. I just there's a couple actions that we're really not running very often, and. It's getting frustrating that Trez only has 11 possessions as the pick and roll roll man, but he has 16 points for 1.455 82nd percentile. Oh, it's, it's dropped to 79th percentile in the league now, but still very good points per possession on only 11 possessions in what nine games. So we do it once a game. That's just not enough. Yeah, that's crazy low. His volume of putbacks is like double that. His volume of dump offs is double that. And it's good that he's getting those opportunities. And, and he's efficient in those him. too. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about how as a dump off guy, he's probably going to get a little bit lower volume than the Dwight and JaVales of last year, just due to his size and how less available he is at times, just because mm-hmm. he's not that stationary lob threat. But yeah, the, in the, in the post, he's been pretty mediocre so far on 18 possessions and as a role man it's it's not the efficiency that's good or bad and the efficiency has been good and he's been good in the past and he was oh man i'll have to pull it up but last year he was one of the highest volume role men in in the whole league i believe Mm -hmm. and just the fact that it's not as much the efficiency that's striking to me this year but the the volume is just so low Mm -hmm. to a, a pretty concerning degree Yep. We'd like to see all the pieces humming at the same time, um, but we can't be too mad. Lakers still you know, doing more or less what we expected uh, from them. And they have another game tonight, Tim, against mm-hmm. the Bulls. So it's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully not a trap game. They did just come back from Portland uh after having like a 20 point deficit i think and came back to beat them and portland beat us so the transit property um <laughs> but uh really quick just to close this up here tim i kind of wanted to bring this up and i don't know i kind of regret it because i think it might be too early but lineups you know we're talking a lot about this guy with that on the stream this lineup is interesting i don't know if i've seen this we're still seeing unique combos of different guys but i guess i'm gonna open the floor up to you is there anything interesting in the lineup data with the caveat that this is all very very small samples and can change with almost immediately yeah exactly and uh to just to illustrate that a little bit kyle kuzma and lebron james as a two-man lineup before last night's game of all two-man lineups that had played at least 100 minutes they were second best in defensive rating which, yeah, good. That's good. We like that. But you can't draw conclusions from that because of the sample size. <laughs> Add in last night's name, last night's game, they dropped from second to like 30th. And the rating itself went up like 10 points. Um, we're at such, we're at a point this year where just it's it's hard to draw conclusions. I think what I find most interesting is just 
the volumes that we're seeing so far? What is the team trying to do? What what mm-hmm. have they looked at? What haven't they explored as much? And like the Harold Schroeder combo, which I think would be very uh, beneficial for both players in terms of their pick and roll chemistry, as opposed to some of the other combos that the two of them might have. I'd love to see more of that. We haven't seen a whole lot of that. I, I think, hang on, I'll have to pull it up, but uh, Harold is like the eighth or ninth most frequent player that uh, Schroeder has played with this year. So just little things like that are, you'd love to see it tapped into a tad more because we don't quite know exactly what it is yet um, because they just haven't played all that much together. The other thing that stood out to me, another two-man lineup piece is Harold and Anthony Davis. Hmm. Again, I've only played 88 minutes together, not all that much. But in those 88 minutes, the Lakers have been outscored by 11 points per 100 possessions. And the defense for that group has a 123 defensive rating. And that's with Harrell playing the five, AD playing the four, which we've talked about as not the best. If you flip those two, it looks much better probably. Um, I'm just surprised to see that we've seen it just so little so far this year. And when it has played, it hasn't been good, all that good offensively. And defensively, it's just been atrocious. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they're still reticent to kind of do what we wanted. And, and I know AD still kind of ramping up where AD defensively is is more of a f- the five and um, Harrell is more of the four, but they stick to their guns. You know, Harrell's guarding fives. He's trying to catch and hedge and, and kind of help a little bit as a help defender. But, you know, it's, it's not really AD play playing on those bigger guys and mitigating the size there. He's a little bit more on the perimeter in those lineups too. So mm-hmm. I haven't loved that two man lineup personally, but you do see it uh, in some of the good lineups here as well. So, you know, like just, just going back to the Kuzma point, Tim, really quick, right. The starting lineup uh, with KCP. I think I have it. Uh, where is it? Right here. They've played 68 minutes. They have a plus 24 net rating. 24.2 net rating. 133 offensive rating. And 68 minutes is a pretty significant chunk of change there. Uh, no. Yeah, no, compared to everything not else. Yet. Compared to the other ones, yes. But big picture, no. I'd say compared to everything else, this is more believable than... You know, I, their offense was humming with, with that starting lineup. We saw a couple blowouts. Yes. Um, keep in mind. So that on the other end of the spectrum, that same lineup with Kuzma instead uh, has a 8.8 net rating uh, with 101 offensive rating and a 92.4 defensive rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't worked as well. ATP is a better fit for that group defensively he's a substantial upgrade for the shooting guard position for what it's asked to do compared to Kuzma who to his credit is one of the better footwork combo guard wing sort of players Mm. so like he's he's been all right but KCP's better at doing what he's asked to do in that defensive role um, given those lineups and I, I don't like want to push back too hard and say like, Oh, there's none of this matters. This is sure. what's happened so far. We, we've seen how good that one group can look and how the other group can struggle offensively. That is to me, that's real. Knowing the pieces, knowing how they fit together, understanding the the synergy, the uh, ma- from a mathematical standpoint, it's just the sample's not all that big. Uh, so yeah, no, but it, it's, it's good to see exactly what has happened 
so far and, and how that grades out. I'm actually interested to see. So our third most frequently used lineup has been, let's see. So LeBron, Kuz, Matthews, Markeith, and Harrell, which I wouldn't have guessed would be our third most used lineup so far. It is a minus 25 net rating. It is getting hate, obliterated hate, on both ends of the court. Hates that lineup, Tim. And I, I think we've so spoken about it a few times uh, in our streams where it's like LeBron's the only ball handler. You know, you could do, yeah, a little pick and pops with Morris maybe, but the they just get killed on the rebounds. Um, there's a lot of fouling. It it just doesn't seem to go together. And yeah, six games total. So, I mean, there's obviously a few games where that didn't come into the game, but <clears throat> minus 25, man, in 34 minutes is hard to do. Yeah, it is, <clears throat> it is not good. And to your point about the rebounding, yeah, they've been... They've getting mur- they've been getting murdered on the boards. They uh, one of our lowest defensive rebounding percentage groups. Yep. Also not doing all that well on the offensive glass. Maybe we see less of this moving forward for one of two reasons: either the Lakers realize it's not working, and or Car- Caruso's back, and we might see. And as KCP comes back, more lineups that have have more ball handlers out there, mm-hmm. even if they're not like primary ball handler kind of guys. Uh, so yeah, what, one of the more frustrating things about this, in addition to the small sample is just that we've haven't seen the full strength Lakers team play together for all that many games. So it's a smaller sample within the small sample we're already working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, I would love to look at what a, like, what is Frank Vogel's ideal rotation map with a healthy team? And I don't know if the first three or five games of the year, even if he does have everyone healthy, that's what it's going to end up looking like now that he has learned what he's learned over the past eight or nine games. Um, but we just haven't seen the full team healthy since then to, to get a sense for how he wants things to go. Uh, but but once KCP is in there and now that Caruso's back, I think we can glean a little bit more from the coaching staff standpoint in terms of what lineups or in what combos of players they want playing more or less. And hopefully that, LeBron, Kuz, Wes, Markeith, Harrell group is playing a lot less than they have so far. And if you just, what's funny, Tim, is the one, you know, like two below that or one below that is more or less like the same lineup with THT for Kuz and they're plus 18 in 24 minutes. That's because he's a ball handler. Like it's, that's it. That's how you make good use of THT. And, and that is where, like that lineup should be playing more than mm. that single ball handler lineup. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah. LeBron, Wes, Markeith, Trez, THD. Mm-hmm. 98 offensive rating, 80 defensive rating in a meager 24 minutes. Yes. But still, uh, they're rebounding much better. 80.6 defensive rebounder percentage. Yeah. And again, small samples, but like just looking at the, the team's intent in terms of who they're playing more often, like that group should be playing more frequently than the third most used lineup that we just walked through. That just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's not just, it's not working because another danger of doing what we're doing right now. And if the team's doing the same thing is you can't just look at something that is working or isn't working and assume that will continue. And we, you wouldn't just want to scrap a group just because it hasn't performed well so far. Um, you, you don't want to like, there, there are ways like it, maybe it's just noise in the data, or maybe there are tweaks you can make schematically 
offensively or defensively to get more out of the current group than, than you have been. This is going yeah. back to the uh, Houston Rockets series. The big man lineups didn't work. There was potential for them to work, but the Lakers didn't make the tweaks, so they scrapped it and found a, another solution. It's that same sort of idea. Don't just scrap things if it's not working, especially in the regular season when you have more time to work through issues. But conceptually, if it just doesn't make sense and that lineup doesn't make sense, right. yeah, you, you can move on more quickly. It's like a uh, it, like it's not just looking at correlation, but the, the causation has yes. to be there as well. Yes. And it's tough to parse that out. It takes time and sample data as well as that increases. You know, we will keep our eye on stuff because I don't expect a lineup that's going to be the, you know, third, fourth most used lineup in the Lakers uh, repertoire to be negative 25. You know, so something's going to give there. These are loud, but there is stuff that there's trends starting that if you look close enough, you'll see. And there's trends that will not be trends. They'll be fake for the most part. That will be the case. But, um, you know, I, for me, like what you would say that the Lakers have four, like, quote unquote, like maybe five ball handlers slash facilitators. You got LeBron. Truder, Gasol, and THT, and maybe sprinkle AD in there with what he's been passing out of double teams as a form of shot creation. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's it's lame, but you know. But so I would say maybe four, right? The Lakers have, and they kind of I feel like need two of those guys on the court at any any given time. Maybe sprinkle Caruso in there, but probably not. Yeah, with Caruso, with AD, with Harrell, those are guys that can make good passes. Mm-hmm. They, you just have to put them in the right situations. AD getting double teamed with everybody standing around isn't going to make him look like a great passer. Mm-hmm. Whereas you throw Marcus Saul in the post and guys are like, oh, I, I should start cutting. And then they start cutting and the teams are running plays. Then it looks way better. And Gasol is an excellent passer. AD is a pretty good passer. We're not giving AD the same opportunities to play make just because everyone's just standing around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to your point, you want to have more than one of those players on the court at all times. And if you only have a couple true playmakers and then a couple guys who are like potential playmakers, given the right circumstance, you've got to work on the circumstance. You have to work on the X's and O's if you want to supplement what might be a weakness on this roster. I mean, it's like three weeks into the season, you know, you can only get so frustrated. I think for the most part, as a Mr. Scheme man, you've been pretty happy throughout. Yeah. In anything that we're saying, isn't me like, Oh my God, this needs to change. We're going to lose. We're not going to make the playoffs around the first round. Like opportunities for improvement. Yeah. If you're not approaching these games, especially for a team like the Lakers, that's going to get a high seed. If you're not approaching these games, as an opportunity to get better every day and chase the best version of yourself, then you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. You, you can't cheat the process. And we're seeing the team work through things. There's a lot they have to work on. They're prioritizing some items over others. We're looking at the defense. Like you said, we almost had like a schedule loss, not because uh, like in San Antonio, it's not all that good of a team. And, no. and looking at the early schedule, it's been a pretty early, easy, yeah. early schedule give LA a harder schedule for the same set of games, our record could be much worse. And we might be, people might be freaking out. I wouldn't be freaking out. I look at it the same way. This team is running the same defensive scheme every single game, even though it doesn't, it's not the right one to run against them. Thankfully playing easier teams, it's worked out and we've been able to win most of those games. But when you play San Antonio for the third time in a row, running the same scheme out there defensively, when it's not the best way to run it, 
they've caught on. Their game planning was so much better last night than it was in the first game and the second game. I don't know if it was a different coach running the game plan or just the fact that they had more film. Um, but the, once we get into these baseball series, the better tactical teams are going to come out and, and play better. And LA is opting to be worse there in lieu of that longer term, we're going to work on what we need to work on component of it. So I don't want to play teams two or three times in a week with right. the way LA is right now and where they are in their defensive scheme development. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but yeah, big picture. It's okay. There's plenty to work on. Um, you love seeing that growth, enjoying that growth. Uh, and we're going to, that's what we're going to be paying attention to. It's not freak out or claim we're unbeatable this early in the season. Cause neither of those things are true. Yeah. No, I think, I think, was it AD talking about balancing, uh, it might've been Vogel as well, balancing their base scheme, their base coverages around making in-game and yeah, second and third time around in a week and a half game, you know, uh, adjustments. So it's a balance between this is our base. This is what we want to be good at. And this is what we want to do on a regular basis. But when, yeah, when you throw in the mix of actually having to play more of these playoff style series with a good coach like Greg Popovich, he's going to adjust and exploit that. And do you chase sticking to your guns or do you adjust a little bit and try and win the game? Exactly. Yeah. And we've seen the Lakers not engage in that regard. And the it's Portland not setting them too. up. Yeah, it's not setting them up to win. And mm -hmm. I can understand why from the perspective of the players or fans, it's like, oh man, we're just making mistakes. No, it's- Or the look, opposing you team look dumb for just doing do. this, yeah. Yeah, the opposing team knows what you're going to do and they're attacking it the right ways. Yeah. The first game, first game or two for San Antonio, it was like, we're going to slip ball screens, like not complicated at all. Last night, there were multiple times just in that first half, I saw a brilliant, brilliant play that the idea of the play was to target the catch edges, but they did it in so much more smart, creative ways than we had seen over those first couple of games because they knew that's what they were going to face. So teams are able to not just like realize it, they're, they're realizing it and then they're able to refine and improve and customize and be creative with their attacking of our defense. And it's going to frustrate over the next, I don't know how many weeks. I don't know if the team at some point changes the approach. As long as we have an easy schedule and we're able to win games, regardless, we might not. Uh, I would look for the team in the next five games to start flipping the switch a little bit in terms of the high proportion of the base coverage that they're running. Um, but now as I say that, I'm realizing that the team hasn't worked through any of the counters of how teams are attacking it. So this isn't going to be fun. This is going to frustrate me, but uh, it's part of the process. It's fine. I'm not like upset at Vogel or anything. The team just needs to learn how to adjust to the way teams are attacking them. Right now they're still on like step one. Yeah. They need to nail down step one and then get to step two and figure out how to counter those things. But right now, teams that are playing them are already at step two, and the Lakers are still only in step one, so they're not fighting a winning battle right mm -hmm. now. So hopefully they can catch up, realize that they've kind of figured – hopefully figure out some of those base coverages, get the communication down, and then start to play the X's and O's game of, all right, you're slipping screens, here's what we're going to do about it. Or you are picking and popping, here's how we're going to defend that differently. Or you are having your role man go set a pin down screen in a two-on-one situation off ball, here's how we react. That part of the game is where LA hasn't begun to explore, 
and will that's going to be the biggest chunk of improvement from now to probably a month from now, I would assume. It might be a little frustrating, but I do agree with the process uh, from the Lakers and, you know, they want their fastball in, in July now instead of mm-hmm. January. And, you know, if they really wanted to, I think they probably could be, you know, like 55 and 17 this year, but yeah. it, it's probably not um, the best path for this team in, in a lot of different ways, but that's all I got for today, Tim. I'm uh, excited to watch this game tonight. And uh, yeah, we are going to try to uh, bring you guys another pod at some point next week and be on a more consistent schedule again. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, other than that, man, anything else you got? Go check out the new Cranges' corner video. Go see what that defensive scheme is. It's it's hard. I think we do a good job of it talking through the, the podcast. Visuals always help. But yeah, visuals always help. And I tried to break it down as 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 well as I could in terms of like picking the right good. clips, highlighting the right parts of it, slowing the video down, all those little things to help point out exactly what we're trying to see on each play. Um, so take a look at that. You'll leave that video understanding how what we're doing now is different from last year, understanding why the Lakers made the change for a couple of personnel reasons and then also for the playoffs. You'll understand uh, the mechanics of how it works not just like big picture, how it might be different, but okay, when this is happening, here's what the ball handler is supposed to do. Here's what the screeners mm-hmm. man supposed to do. Here's what the weak side, like the, the off ball three defenders, here's, here are their reads essentially. So as we're watching games unfold, you'll have a better sense for where the weak link might be or where the opposing team might be trying to target that defense. So it's, it's very much an introductory video. The next video will be going into how teams have decided to attack it so far and what the Lakers can do to counter those. Um, that one will be available to the subscribers only on Twitch. I'm going to be moving that YouTube content over to Twitch, uh, just consolidate, make things easier uh, because of whatever status we are with Twitch, we're able to upload those videos. So it's not just like live content. Mm-hmm. So you can go see it even if you don't see it live. Um, yeah, so go check that out. You'll leave that with a much better understanding of what the changes, why the change is happening, where we are in the process. and maybe be a little bit more at peace with what you're about to see over the next couple of weeks as we undoubtedly get torched here or there as other teams game plan really smartly. Do you remember? I remember this very vividly. I think this is the November game last year against the bulls and the Lakers went down like 20 plus in Chicago and they rallied through that third quarter and they just put their, that was one of the first games where they really, uh, toyed with last year with being like, okay, we're going to win now, you know, and teams just mm-hmm. don't have the talent to kind of uh, kick that there into their next gear to match the Lakers, but good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, guys, follow us on Twitch. We're doing a lot of cool shit. Um, like we're, I'm doing a little highlight video at the top of everyone, you know, Tim's doing new videos. Now we bust out the whiteboard. You were breaking down some of those San Antonio plays we were describing kind of give you an idea with the visuals. So follow us on Twitch, you know, please subscribe if you can. And um, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Feels good. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime.